This is Transistor.fm. Alitu.com has sponsored this episode again. Alitu polishes brands and publishes your podcast automatically. And they've just released a brand new feature where you can record right in the app. So you can upload your normal recording from Skype or your computer, or you can record right in the web app, right in Alitu. It's a great service. Check them out, Alitu, A-L-I-T-U.com, and let them know that we sent you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Good to see you again, John. All right. You too. You too. It's a sunny, sunny, cold day in Chicago. Oh, weird. It's sunny and cold here in Vernon, oh, BC as well. Weird. Uh, you, just get, you just get to enjoy the snow. Yeah. Yeah. We do have snow, but it is blue skies, but chilly. We're hoping yeah. we're hoping to get more snow soon. Nice. Um, today I want to jump right into it. This is this is something I'm testing, jumping right in, right into the topic uh, because this one came from quite a few people. Uh, in particular, this one I believe was from my friend. Uh, I, I just want to double check because I don't want to. Uh, yeah, Val Soapy. Soapy. Um, he's uh, bootstrapping a new SaaS called ClareTask. And he wonders, should you worry about the competition? And I, I think that's a pretty normal, <laughs> pretty normal yeah, thing to worry about. I think that's a good, good question to ask yourself. When I was getting ready for the episode, I thought, you know, in the old days, the idea was that you always worried about the competition. Like if you think about kind of the business in the 30s and the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, it was all about cutthroat competition. You were trying to destroy the competition. You were staying up late thinking about the competition. And then, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, especially I think because of thinkers like Jason Fried, uh, but lots of folks in the startup space started to challenge that idea and say, well, maybe you shouldn't worry about the competition. And uh, I've included a bunch of articles in the show notes, saas.transistor.fm slash 42, if you want to see those. But tons of folks that have said, why I don't stress about the competition. Uh, does bootstrapping make you worry about the competition? When should you, you know, there's all these, the same questions. Yeah. Same questions, maybe different answers. Yeah. I mean, I think the conventional wisdom now is, saying folks shouldn't worry about the competition. And I don't know about you, where do you stand on this? Are are you on one side or the other? I'm not I would say I'm I don't worry about it too much. I think it I still get a certain amount of anxiety about it. Hmm. I guess like I don't I don't really worry about it in that like it keeps me up at night, but I feel like when there's competition that's like announcing things or getting massive funding or saying they're working on something really cool that we're not doing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, cer I certainly get a certain amount of anxiety from it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, we should do that. How do we do that? We don't have enough time to do that. <laughs> we, uh, how do we choose which one to do first if we want? Yeah. 
Well, and so you can identify with what Val is feeling, I think, because he is feeling like, you know, I'm bootstrapping, I'm just a solo founder, and I think he's in the project management space, and he's just feeling like there are some behemoths, there are some Goliaths out there that could crush me. I don't know if this is true for every market space, but it also doesn't seem like competitors these days are necessarily out to crush people. Yeah. Like maybe within like the massive companies like Amazon and Apple and, and like, Oh yeah. They're all, they're all competing and they're like, Jeff Bezos wants to crush Walmart for sure. Oh yeah. Well, he wants to crush every business. (laughs) He wants to crush us all. He's kind of ridiculous, but you know, Apple may not say they are, but I, you know, yeah, they're competing with, you know, Samsung and the phone market and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, you know, internet-based companies, like software businesses, I don't know if they're necessarily out to crush people, like crush their competition. There's also a lot of, there's a big audience. Mm-hmm. So you don't need everyone. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And actually, this reminds me of, this is my friend Jeffrey Bunn says, you don't need to crush the competition. That's kind of demoralizing. Instead, ask, where is the untapped well in my current business? How can I zig while my competitors zag? How can I skate to where the puck is going, not where it is? Even more simplified, how can I think for myself? And yeah, I think that's, yeah, there's folks, and in some ways that is the conventional wisdom now in startups. Like, don't worry about the competition, just worry about the customer. And I think I fall in between, which is, you know, kind of a cop out, but I, I, I think there is a, a, a tension between both of these that um, we should consider. And so in this episode, we're going to go through three main areas. Why you shouldn't focus on the competition, why you should focus on the competition, and how to think about the competition. So let's just start going through these now. Um, uh, let's start, well, let's start, I'll start with number one here. So why you shouldn't focus on the competition. First, it's a distraction. You know, when you focus too much on the competition, it means you're not focusing enough on the folks who really matter. And those are paying customers, right? Right. Yeah. You're, 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 yeah, you are ignoring your business. You're basically focusing your energy on someone else's business, which, yeah, isn't really (laughs) what's the point how does that help and i think you and i have actually um waffled a little bit on this because we have a a big competitor in our space called anchor and they offer free hosting and you know the there is a temptation to go oh man like they've got all this funding and they're building all this cool tech and you know they're free when we focus too much on them and they're like our competitors, I sorry, our customers are already paying us. They've already made a decision to not use Anchor. And in in a lot of ways, it does us a lot more good to figure out, okay, what are the reasons people are choosing us over Anchor? Because that's interesting, right? I mean, this is kind of like talking shit about your co- your competitors, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that we There is some stats that show that you know, they have a lot of new podcasts are happening on Anchor. Podcast host Anchors claims that the number of podcasts carrying ads double this month. The company has also been keen to point out that they power 40% of all new podcasts. 
It's estimated that they have 70,000 shows. However, according to recent data analysis seen by Pod News, this is from Pod News, over 93% of anchor shows have already pod faded and haven't had a new episode in the last month. Yeah, I mean, it's not, that's not surprising to me. Like, it's free, so you're, the barrier to signing up is nothing. You're going to record one show, maybe it's you and your friend just talking about whatever or nothing, and then you're going to be like, well, that was easy. I'm just going to forget about my account. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a classic, like, free, free startup mentality. Free startup thing, yeah. And so yeah. does it really do us any good to focus too much on them? Of course not. Yeah, because we're, yeah, we're not trying to get those customers. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned this one already, so why don't you read the next one? Yeah, uh, causes anxiety. Again, it's it's similar to it's a distraction. I think in that if you're if you're just worrying about your competition and and how much funding they have and how they have a team of twenty people and they're all they're building six features at once, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like it, crippling. I mean, you can sit there and just worry about it all day. Yeah, and be like, oh god, we're never going to catch up. Yeah. And it gets you focused on the wrong thing. Like if you're just focused on, oh, we're never going to catch up, that is terrible (laughs) self-talk. Like Jason Cohen says, it's already hard bootstrapping. Don't make it harder on yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar, I think, in in the engineering space itself where... You know, personally, I feel like I, I get behind on technology and certain, you know, new, new, uh, new programming, programming languages or JavaScript or whatever. And like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm not up totally up to date, but, um, I can't sit there and worry about it and let it like get in the way of me actually getting something done. Yeah. It's like, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah. But there's so, there's so much new stuff that you can't keep up. And same with competition is like, everyone's doing things at a different pace and yeah yeah i think the question there is of course like okay so they've done that first of all does it matter right and second of all if it does matter what are you going to do about it those are the only so if you have made it as a programmer if you've decided that you're just going to ignore javascript at every you know at all costs well and you get anxious that you know increasingly that's like what people are hiring for, you can either change your attitude about JavaScript uh, or you can do something about it. Like you got, you, yeah. those are your choices, right? So right. Um, I think it's just sitting in stress and anxiety doesn't help. Uh, I think next up, it's too tempting to copy features. And I love this quote from Jason Fried. I actually have tons, just because Jason's thought so much about this, I quoted him like a hundred times in our notes. But he says, copying skips understanding. Understanding is how you grow. You have to understand why something works or why something is how it is. When you copy it, you miss that. You just repurpose the last layer in, instead of understanding all the layers underneath. What, like when you hear that, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it, there's so much work and thought involved in coming up with a final feature or product that you're just missing out on so much of what it took to get to that point. So much of the insight. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned this to you earlier. 
that I, I just finished reading that um, creative selection okay. book. It's like by a Apple, oh, yeah. an Apple engineer yeah. who worked um, on, well, a couple of things. He worked on the team that created Safari and then worked on the, um, he was basically head of uh, the keyboard for iOS for the original iPhone. Oh yeah. Like typing on a, on a touchscreen, which like had, that's a new, it's like they had to invent this stuff mm-hmm. from scratch. Right. And he talks about the entire process of of all these different iterations and prototypes of like this keyboard and different ideas and like just the amount of work it took to get to the point where it is today or where it was, you know, in 2007 mm-hmm. was crazy. Like people just could totally forget that, that it, you know, you can complain about your keyboard and be like, ah, oh, stupid autocorrect. But like even getting to that point is just, amazing i mean it's like two and a half years of work yeah yeah it's it's very i think it's very very similar these other companies can just be like oh yeah it's a it's a touch uh touch keyboard let's just copy it yeah yeah and see you know and in some ways that's why i think microsoft's recent hardware releases have been so interesting because they've they're actually trying to have an opinion they're trying to go through that design process themselves instead of yeah. just copying or imitating what apple's done and so now those surface books you know there are some things in there that are totally unique to microsoft and people like them and it's a differentiator now they're not just someone just you know doing a, a carbon copy of what apple's done without the understanding that you know happens underneath uh, so yeah, this is a huge point. And you had added this one here at the end here. What's this about? Yeah. Uh, I think it can sometimes lead to uh, feature creep in your software. So, you know, if you have four competitors and they've all done these, these amazing, cool things, um, you're trying to, you know, work on the ideas that you've come up with. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, companies, a company, a is doing this company B is doing that. Let's add this to our list. Um, we need to do that just to compete, even though like your customers may not be even requesting this stuff. They're not necessarily leaving because these other companies have these features, but like it's all, it's all related to, I think the anxiety and stuff. Yeah. I think this one's huge, Um, but like, you know, I, I, we, I think we've fallen victim to this a little bit in our, in our project management software. We just sort of like throw in ideas, um, and then it just, I think, can lead to some fairly crippling indecision about like what to work on next or like starting something and half finishing it. And yeah. So you never really get anywhere. Well, and think of how uninspiring that is. If you have a real human being that is using and paying for your software and they're saying, listen, John and Justin, I love what you're doing, but this particular thing here would really help me make progress. And then if you hear it from another person and another person and another person, now you have these group of human beings who you're meaningfully connected to and they become the inspiration for building that feature. It, it's so much more motivating to, to work on something like that when you know you're making a difference for some people who, whose faces you can actually see as opposed to saying, yeah, like I'm just copying someone else. Uh, yeah, you get to choose the feature to work on based on based on the potential success of a, of your customers, as opposed to like the fear of your competitors. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's operating out of fear instead of operating out of something more substantial. 
Totally. Uh, so that's why you shouldn't focus on your comp- competition. Now let's talk about why you should focus on your competition. And we just kind of <laughs> highlighted this, but number one, it's a way of understanding your customers. So you should be aware of why customers are choosing or not choosing the competition. It's it. There is some uh, some analysis you can do there. And to just say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to care about that, I think is a mistake. I think you want to know, you know, if they chose, you know, if someone chooses Anchor over Transistor, I want to know why. And if it's just because it's free, then I can go, okay, well, that, we're not going to compete on that sense. But if there's something else and you, there are many, many people hiring Anchor to do those jobs, and those are jobs that maybe Transistor could do. I want to know about those things. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, you know, we've seen some of this. We've seen people leave because someone else, some other competitor was doing something that made their lives easier. Yeah. Or, or that they aspired to have or they aspired to be. And aspiration is huge. I mean, if... if for sure, GMC is looking at why people are buying Teslas, or at least they should be. And if GMC wants to um, serve a similar customer, then they should be aware of, okay, well, why, you know, well, they, they like Elon Musk. Okay, well, can we compete on that? Well, maybe not. They, uh, you know, they aspire to have something that's good for the planet. Okay, well, maybe we should build... Uh, the bolt, right? Uh, so the, it, I think it's okay to look at these things and go, okay, why are people, you know, leaving? Why are people choosing the competition over us? Yeah, yeah, maybe as a way to even, even uh, sort of figure out like common trends in the industry. Maybe like people are moving towards these other things because that's a trend and that's. But it's it as a useful trend, but something that maybe you didn't necessarily pick up on or didn't foresee. Yeah, exactly. And who knows? So, like, I think about HipChat versus Slack. And is there anything that HipChat could have done? Because sometimes you're not getting enough information from your current users, and you do need to look outside who's using and paying for your software now and figure out, like, okay, why are people hiring Slack now instead of HipChat, what are the kind of underlying emotional needs or desires that we're not tapping into? And again, maybe you, maybe there's nothing HipChat could have done to win, but maybe there was. Maybe there's something they could have done yeah, maybe. to counteract that, right? Uh, I, I think another reason you should focus on the competition, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but it is more competitive now (laughs) and there's all the rob walling has said um you know we're not building these basic crud apps like we used to be able to the stuff's too competitive now and zach holman of github fame said no one wants to admit it but the old your product must be 10 times better than existing solutions trope is dead and he goes on to say i think this is the most hostile time for startups that we've had really products are better and competition is enormous yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I mean, this sort of goes back to me talking about how I feel like I'm getting 
behind in some technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Products are better and they're more competitive. Um, and that's a lot of that's based on the t- technology that's being used. Like even apps on the web are more interactive. They're more, uh, you know, they're better designed. It's because we have years of years of this experience now and years of research. Mm hmm. Yeah. The example I used the other day, I can't remember if I used it here, was in skateboarding back in the 80s. I mean, if you could if you could ollie and you could kickflip and you could run a mini ramp, you could be a pro, right? But now there are hundreds of tricks that even amateurs need to know, right? Just to Just to be even competitive at any sort of baseline. Every single... Uh, competitive niche goes through this. At the beginning, you know, you can launch Basecamp, which is basically like a blog, <laughs> right? And then eventually things get more sophisticated or more complicated. And the baseline that you need to meet to compete is higher. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's the maturity of the internet. Although, I don't know, part of me is like, at what point does it go sort of like reverse back to like mm. simple? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think then you start to get into the, the simplicity that is complex, you know, like I think. It, right. It's like, yeah, I think it does get harder. I mean, I'm trying to help my kids with like grade seven math now and I can't do it because grade seven math now is like grade 10 math in the 90s. Right. Maybe in Canada. <laughs> But this is this is the march of of humanity is that as a society, the baseline gets higher and higher. This is just the way it goes. And so I think it's uh, disingenuous to say, oh, no, it's just it's just like it used to be. No worries. You know, simple still wins the day. Yeah, it's absolutely not like it used to be. I mean, simple might still win the day, but I think getting to simple now is more complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's naive to think you shouldn't be at least aware of the competition. And not that you should obsess about it, not that you should get lose sleep over it, but have an eye on the competition for sure, right? Uh, in the same way that I think, you know, if you were in in sports and you're you're running a race and you're thinking, okay, at the end of the day, what's going to win me the race is my conditioning, is me, you know, putting in the practice, is me focusing on my own journey. But I still need to have an eye on what the competition is doing. That would be ridiculous to show up at a race and not have any. I mean, this is the story behind Rocky One. <laughs> he wasn't watching Apollo Creed. wasn't watching Rocky, and Rocky was like training hard. And so Rocky was taking it serious and Apollo Creed wasn't. And we know how that ended up, right? <laughs> Wait, didn't he lose in Rocky one? He, he, he went the distance. He, 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 well, he knocked, he knocked Apollo Creed down and go watch Rocky again, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Another reason you should focus on the competition is it's a way of revealing opportunities. Uh, there's a great podcast newsletter you should you folks should subscribe to called hot pod it's by nick qua i think it's qua and he has this line where he says everybody is drilling for oil in the same spot because some other guy found oil there already you know i think there is some if you can see the rest of the industry clustering around a certain area that might mean there's white space somewhere else where you can go and compete right 
So asking the question, what's everyone else missing? I mean, we just switched to Clubhouse for project management. What do you think they kind of tapped into that ever, other people were missing? What was the white space there? I think I'm still trying to put my finger on that. Like, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's well-designed. It's not as rigid as we were using Pivotal before. It's not as, it's just like more, yeah, it's not as rigid in its, in its ways. Like, it's not set in one, it's, it's very flexible software, I think. Pivotal is too, Pivotal, all these other apps, Pivotal, even like Basecamp, they're like, they're almost too opinionated, which for some people is good. Totally. But. And I I think there's also, for example, you can look at Notion is getting popular. And my friend uh, Marie Poulin just wrote this blog post, I'll put it in the show notes, where she says, um, one tool to rule them all, and the intro line kind of says it all. I confess that I've been in productivity limbo for years. You know that awful gray area where you're in between systems and tools, you haven't quite committed to a single one yet? And uh, and then she lists like, it's having Asana or Trello alongside half-filled, half-filled paper planners, notebooks, digital to-dos. Oh, it's hoarding <laughs> empty notebooks because you're waiting for the perfect time to use one. It's trying out several planners at the same time because you're trying to find the one that works. Yeah, that's uh, been there. Yeah. And so that's kind of the white space, right? It's it's like, okay, if, you know, Asana is really trying to carve out this space and everyone is going after what Asana is going after, why don't we go over here where no one's really playing yet and we'll, you know, we'll do something new in this space. So, yeah, I think there's, you uh, risk losing or not noticing opportunities when they come up. Um, we're at, uh, you're stealing time, attention, and money from somebody, and it's not always who you think. So I think about this all the time. This comes out of jobs to be done thinking, because I love thinking about all of the industries that the iPhone disrupted when it came huh. out. And the the one that I think about is how Apple took customers away from Kodak and the film industry. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely like the number one or was the number one camera, digital camera. Oh, yeah. I mean, now probably Samsung is. But the, the idea is that the iPhone wasn't just competing with BlackBerry when it came out. It was also competing with camera manufacturers. Uh, I've even jokingly said it's competing with flashlight manufacturers, right? Because you don't need a flashlight anymore. It's always with you. (laughs) You're stealing time and attention and money away from somebody, and it's not always who you think. And I think you need to be not just aware of your direct competitors, but also your indirect competitors. The folks at Netflix have famously said, you know, our direct competition isn't just, you know, people doing other ways to watch movies. It's any sort of entertainment. It's any leisure time is competition with Netflix. Yeah, I, th- I saw something recently, and they were they said that they're actually more worried about um, whatever video game. Oh, Fortnite! They were more worried about Fortnite than they are HBO. Yes, <laughs> yes, Be- and and which makes sense. Yeah, if they're if they're thinking about that now, and those are smart people running that company, you know, there's something there, right? Yeah. 
And so I don't know. Can you think of any examples in the podcast industry? Like who else are we stealing time, attention, and money from? A radio. <laughs> I mean, at least for listening to podcasts, uh, the radio. Uh, I, I'm sure people listen to podcasts in place of music or reading even. I mean, yeah. Audiobooks is a big competitor for podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if we look at it from our customer standpoint and them just being people that want to get a message out, we have lots of competition. Like they could do traditional PR, they could do a blog, they could have a YouTube channel, they could, you know, there are lots of channels that they could use and uh, social media, email. Podcasting is just one of the options they can choose. And if we're honest, you know, there are some options on that list that are higher priorities for sure. Uh, and so we are competing against those things. We, we are trying to prove to folks like, you know, you should prioritize podcasting because it's the best way to earn an audience's trust. It's the most intimate way to connect with a group of people. It is a different, a completely different animal when you compare it to all of the other channels. It has these unique attributes that make it really enticing as a media form. But we're competing with these things. We're saying, you know, maybe you should start with a podcast and then turn that audio into text and make it a blog post, uh, which is something I've been doing a lot lately. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Well, I think, I think we'll have to think about that a little more for us, even what we're taking attention and time and money away from as as far as like working on new things that maybe people aren't doing. Mm. Can you, can you elaborate on that a bit? Well, I mean, we, we've had some short discussions, I think about podcasting and the audio industry in general as like podcasting is part of the audio world. Yeah. And it's still a pretty small part of it. So like as a, as a podcast host, are we also just an audio platform mm -hmm. more more generally speaking yeah yeah if you have audio to distribute it to distribute it's not, it's not just pot i mean the, the framework there is there for other stuff i think as well yeah exactly i think we've really tapped into that yes yeah yeah totally and 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 also i mean we've seen mailchimp do this they started with email but now like they they'll run facebook ad campaigns for you they do postcards um, what does their homepage say now? Yeah, they're more like, yeah, they're doing something else now. Your business was born for this. Become the brand you want to be with smarter marketing built for big things. What you can do with MailChimp. I mean, this is so general. This is the nice thing about being a big company. <laughs> you can have the most general copy ever and it, it doesn't... Um, right. What you can do. You can create landing pages, Google remarketing ads, Instagram ads. You know, you can do... You can connect it with your e-commerce. You can automate things. You can use it as a CRM. You can use it for A-B testing. So people go to MailChimp for more than just, I got to send this email newsletter out, right? They're, they're using it for other things. All right. So now let's go into how you should think about the competition. If you are going to think about the competition, how should you be thinking about it? But before we do, let me give you a quick read for our friends at podcastinsights.com. Uh, they have continued to sponsor this show, making sure that Chris Enns gets paid and he can feed his kids. Um, and so we're really thankful for them. 
And I want you to know that they have this how to start a podcast course. It's free. You're going to learn all sorts of things. Um, We were just talking about their equipment guide that they have. So many people want to know how to sound better when they're creating audio. And this course goes through not just the equipment, but the recording and editing process, what software you'll need. And it's completely free. So podcastinsights.com. If you do end up talking to anybody there, let them know that we sent you. Here's how to think about the competition. The first is basically the only thing I learned in my four-year business degree that has any value. (laughs) And that's the SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And traditionally, people do this on their own business, and I think you should do it on your own business, but you should also do it on your competitors. So what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their opportunities? And what are their threats? And so, you know, there are some podcast hosting uh, apps in our space that their strength is they've been around forever. If, you know, they've got tons of backlinks, they've got tons of, you know, they've been on, just being around longer on the web often helps in terms of being top of mind. What are their weaknesses? They have terrible user interface. Their, you know, podcast websites are ugly. Um, they haven't kept pace with modern technology. The UI is not intuitive. So these are things that we can go after, especially if we want folks to switch from their platform to ours, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is really helpful, and it's something you can do right now. You can just write, you know, SWOT on a piece of paper, and then on the top line, just have all your competitors and just go through. Okay, what's this person's strength? What's this one's strength? What's their weakness? And it'll give you a really nice outline in an afternoon of, you know, some things that maybe you can think about. Mm-hmm. Place to focus your energy. Yeah. And I think yeah. it could also, sometimes putting pen to paper reduces anxiety uh, because now you can see it in front of you. It's not just kind of jumping around in your head. Uh, it's actually written out. And uh, actually, this might be a good technique if you can't sleep one night is just to write this out because <laughs> then you've got something on paper that you can, you've kind of expelled from your system. So this is something you and I have talked about for a while. I, it's called user interviews is what I've said, how to think about the competition. And, you know, you had mentioned that you talked to some folks um, who are using our platform for in different ways that we hadn't considered before. And those conversations are so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't you don't just have to do user interviews on your own customers. You can also do it on people who are using a competing product. So you don't have to be embarrassed if you're at a a meetup or something and you know if someone says, "Oh, hey, I'm using your competitor." I don't have to be embarrassed about that. That's like a huge opportunity to say, right. you know, what brought you to start using them? How did you find it? Right. What was going on in your life at the time? Why do you keep using it? What don't you like about it? What could I do that would make you switch? Those are great questions. And mm-hmm. um, if you have an opportunity to meet with folks that are using the competition uh, at a conference or whatever, those are the conversations you want to have. Yeah. So long as you don't go back to trying to copy the features. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yes. You, use, use that knowledge to like 
come up with come up with a, your own kind of way to do something that that's missing. That's right. You want to, you want to figure out what is the underlying motivation. Where do they want to get to that they can't get to now, or that you could help them get to better or faster or easier. Um, and this kind of dovetails into the other point, which is you know th- when people switch away from you to a competitor, that's also a great time to ask questions. And you'd mentioned this. We've had this happen a few times already. Uh, people have switched from us to a different platform. And again, that's not a time to be embarrassed or to like, you know, go, oh, well, just or be upset. Yeah. It's a great chance to say, okay, well, people will often ask, what could we have done better? But I think a better better questions to ask are like, oh, like what made you switch? What 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 are you going there for? Uh, how do you think they're going to be a better? Why do you think they're a better fit for you? Right, something something pulled them away. Yeah, and uh, this is another famous Jason Fried line. Uh, he said, "The only two people who can give you real feedback about your product are people who just purchased it and people who just canceled." Meaning, like when those moments happen, those are big moments. When you finally sign up for something and take out your credit card and pay for it, that's a big deal. Like if Clubhouse interviewed us about our decision to switch from Pivotal to Clubhouse, we were essentially going from like a free product. I don't know if you were, you were paying for Pivotal before, but no. Um, so free to paid. Like this is a big deal for us. Yeah, it is. And so what forced you? And if they went through that interview with us, they would hear, you know, Justin was unhappy with Pivotal. It was just too messy. It was just too, it wasn't inspiring to go in there and want to work on things. We just needed something different. And they would, and you know, what factors motivated the change? Like for me, the big one was hearing you and Mike talk about it in Portland. Yeah. That's what motivated me. I was like, well, okay, well, what am I missing? Like if you guys enjoy it so much, then, and Mike especially was like, oh, I love it. Like it's changed everything. Well, that instantly made me feel like, well, what am I missing out on? You know? Yeah, it's like, I, yeah, it, that one in particular was one of those ones where you're like, you don't really, you can't really nail it down. It's just like a feeling you have almost. Yeah. Oh man, this thing is, but when you think about it longer, you can definitely come up with some some reasons. They don't all have to be practical reasons either. They could just be emotional. And so Clubhouse could tap into that emotion, which could be like, do you just feel bogged down in your current software? If you do, come to where it's fresh. We've got this fresh new app and people like it and you know like it might just be a feeling that you tap into but identifying it is the important part another way to think about the competition is figuring out how you can make things easier how can you make your app easier to use than the competition uh what do you think about this one uh yeah i mean i think some of it is competitive analysis sort of like using their product and or even talking to folks who use it yeah um, I think I wanted you to say that because it's a little bit, um, a little bit controversial. I think personally, it is okay to use your the competition's product. Now, obviously, you got to be careful. You don't want to copy things, right. right? Yep. For all the reasons we just mentioned, but it's okay to go and use something and go, oh wow, like. This is this is what's hard about this. One thing I've I've 
felt a lot is like you sign up for a product and you just want that first win and you know you're you're going through the onboarding and then you you hit a wall where it's like oh I don't I can't move forward until I do a bunch of other steps and it just right, overwhelms yeah or, or what what is the next step yeah. yeah and so it's okay like go and use the competitors products go and use other apps that are outside of your industry too and just notice those things that make things difficult and then aspire to make things easier for your customers and finally, I think we've already kind of said this, but look for unmet desires. So if you search Twitter, support forums, a lot of companies' support forums are public and you can like go there and see what people are complaining about. You know, those are great insights. And if people are kind of in a very natural way complaining like, oh, I just can't stand this. That's a great opportunity, right? I I would pay I pay a hundred I'd pay ten times the price for something that did this. Yes, like, oh well. And people complain oh. about that stuff all the time on Twitter. Oh yeah, well yeah, it's the internet. People complain. <laughs> <laughs> That's most of it, right? I also love how you can get so much context. So like, if someone's complaining on Twitter, not only can you read that tweet and think, oh, that's interesting. But then you can dig into their other tweets and see what kind of person they are and decide whether you should listen to them or not, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like interesting qualitative information you can get from doing this kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I think that's basically it. Uh, if you get, folks have ideas on, you know, whether you should look at the competition or whether you should not or how you think about the competition, reach out to us on Twitter at TransistorFM or John is at John Buddha, and I am at M-I, Justin, the letter M, the letter I, Justin. Uh, what else do we need? To, oh, we're going <laughs> to... We got a lot of feedback last episode about how to pronounce Worcestershire. Worcestershire yeah. sauce. Uh, Although we have it spelled here. What? Well, maybe actually... Well, I, there's mul- I don't know. There's multiple spellings. Worcestershire. I'm Worcestershire. still confused. And... Uh, I, I just think that now every episode we should have different people from the UK pronouncing uh, Worcestershire. So here we have Colin. Hey guys, you were asking on the last episode uh, how to pronounce uh, Worcester sauce, and that's how you pronounce it, Worcester sauce. There's none of the Cestershires, the worry, although we do spell things really weird in the UK, so I understand the confusion. But anyway, that's how you do it, Worcester sauce. And here we have Greg. So this is how you correctly pronounce Worcestershire. Worcestershire. And that's how they pronounce Worcestershire. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's hilarious. Uh, John, why don't you take us out with our Patreons? Yeah, thanks, to, thanks as always to our Patreon supporters. Um, you know, you're helping, helping fund this show and pay for our wonderful editing mm-hmm. by Chris. Uh, we have Colin Gray uh, at Elitu.com. We got Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuckert. Schuckert? It's German. Schuckert. I don't know. I don't okay. know if that's how you Schuckert. say it, but I, I <laughs> that's, what, that's how I think you, it, you say it. Maybe the T is silent. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Brand Shouter. That's not a real name, is it? No. He's... He's getting his he's getting his name in there. That's a company name. Well done. That's called native advertising. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Mike Walker, 
Adam Devander, Dave Junta, Junta, and, Junta, and podcastinsights.com. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks again, everyone. We will see you next week. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.